Good morning, good morning, good morning, man. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, and I feel stirred in my spirit. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 6, Genesis the 6th chapter. I'm kicking off a new series called Raise the Flag, and I'm feeling festive today. You know, this is the 4th of July weekend, and for all of its issues, America still remains the greatest country on the face of the earth. And uh, I'm grateful for the freedoms that we have as Americans. Let's read Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. And then I want to pray. Here's what Paul said. He said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit that would open up our eyes Give us a revelation of your cross. Give us a revelation of the freedom that we have. And I thank you for a word in season this morning to strengthen people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of going to Israel in 2018 with uh, an Israeli major, Major Elliot Shaddaf. He actually came and spoke here at the church, if you remember that. And he told us that he wrote the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force uh, Field Guide. So he, he knew an extensive amount of military history, military strategy. Uh, he took us to an old Russian barracks on the Syrian border there in Israel. It was really quite incredible. You know, a field guide is a manual for survival in the field. H how are you going to, you know, survive uh, in combat? And it's got all these fundamentals that you need to understand. Uh, how to dig a foxhole, set up camp, pitch a tent, load your gun, uh, stuff that you need to know about the fundamentals. Now, my father served in Vietnam in 1968. He was stationed near Saigon during what's known as the Tet Offensive. And he was awakened one night by the sound of explosions and rockets. And so he, he had to run out of the barracks. He had to get up into a guard tower. And, and as, as he was just waking up and rockets were flying in, he told me he had a hard time remembering how to load a 50 caliber. It was like his mind went blank. He, he was like the fundamentals that he learned sort of escaped him. And I think in the same way, there are so many believers who are not equipped to handle it when trouble comes because they're not established in fundamentals. And so this morning, I want to just walk you through a little basic training about some of the fundamental thoughts in Christianity. Christianity 101 uh, this morning, I want to highlight for you the fundamentals of spiritual freedom. Uh, freedoms in this nation are a precious, precious commodity. And I feel like that Americans do take these things for granted. It, it does seem like, you know, successive generations generally, you know, lose sight of the concept of what freedom means and the sacrifice that comes along with it. Uh, it was Patrick Henry who in 1775 at a church in Virginia said, give me liberty or give me death. You know, you fast forward to 2020 and instead of saying, give me liberty or give me death, what you hear a lot of people saying today is, give me. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it just seems like the whole thought of sacrifice for freedom is out the window. And I sure am grateful for the political freedoms in America, uh, the Bill of Rights, which most people couldn't even tell you what they are. I'm grateful for the First Amendment. That's the freedom to practice religion, the freedom of speech. Someone said, uh, why is the freedom of religion so important? And it's the reason why it's listed first of the amendments is because it's the basis of all the freedoms. And I'm sure grateful we can be here to celebrate that. But there is a freedom that's more important, and that is spiritual freedoms. So you know how to resist the devil, 
Walk in love towards people. Treat them with kindness. Spiritual freedoms that we've been given. I want to highlight for you some freedoms. Let's look at Genesis 6 and verse 14. It says, or excuse me, Galatians. I got the G's mixed up, all right, where I stayed. Galatians 6. God forbid, we read this, that I should boast, I should boast in, eh, God forbid that I should boast except, he said, in the cross. Someone say the cross. Except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. What a verse. The first fundamental I want to highlight is the freedom that's found in the cross. There's freedom in the cross. That old rugged cross that Jesus went to and paid a price for, uh, it, it really released an incredible level of freedom that had eternal repercussions. That's why in the book of Colossians it says, to those of us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God to salvation. The cross reveals his power. It gives us freedom. And I like what he said. I'm not going to boast in anything except the cross. When he said that, what he's telling us is that this is like uh, not anything he could do in his own strength. There's a tremendous amount of power that took place in the cross. You'll notice that it's spoken of in past tense. The world has been crucified to me, and I have been, Paul said, crucified to the world. That means that the work is already done, and that's what makes the cross so powerful. It's a finished work. It's perfectly perfect. There's nothing you can do to add to it. That's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, knowing this, he said that the old man was crucified with him and all of its desires. And so what you have is freedom in the work of the cross. When you put your faith in Jesus, when, when you get baptized with him, Scripture says it's like you identify with him. That, that work becomes something active in your life. And so the cross is able to give us freedom, freedom from bondages. You know, it's amazing. I do meet people who are caught up with certain bondages. Maybe it's a guilt that they have in their life, a sense of shame, they get frustrated because they you know, just can't seem to figure out you know, why I feel a certain way. And I, I meet a lot of people who it's like they're living in prisons with doors that are wide open. And it has to do with you know, whatever things they have holding them in their back on their life. And, and they haven't understood the power of the cross. It's through the power of the cross that you and I uh, are able to you know, overcome some of these bondages. Maybe it's an addiction in your life. It, I do remember when the Lord delivered me from an addiction I was struggling with. It was building up and festering in my life. And I'll never forget that morning, May 16th, 1998. And I, I was like, I turned. I, I have not had a drink of alcohol since then. Some people struggle with that like I did. Other people, it's not so much an issue. But I do know the Lord delivered me in a moment. He gave me joy in the place of addiction. Uh, maybe in your life, it's anger. You got pent up anger and frustration. And what I've discovered about the power of the cross, he can give you patience in the place of anger. I mean, he can give you a love for people, a patience to deal with people. And the only thing that can accomplish something like that is the work of the cross. That's how powerful it is. The cross is what helps in relationships. It gives you power to handle relationship. I mean, if we could talk about the crisis that exists in America, it's the breakdown of the family. And how many people do you know that are so offended and so hurt and so bitter and divided in their own family relationship? I mean, it's like we got a lot of people who, who don't know how to make relationships work. And I firmly believe a big part of it is not understanding the work of the cross, that it can actually bring you know, a, 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 a roadmap between two people. It can, it can bridge ditches, man. 
His cross is powerful. The cross of Jesus is one of those things that allows you to forgive somebody else. I mean, sometimes you get so upset, and it does take a cross to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. When Jesus said you pick up your cross and follow him, he's laying out a roadmap for serving people. And if you're going to make relationships work, someone's got to be a servant. That's what the cross is. That's the power of the cross, the ability to help you say, not my will, but the will of the Lord be done in my life. You know, we went on a a little missions trip last week to Fromberg. Appreciate everyone helping us with that. And uh, the first house we cleaned up was pretty great. I mean, they were wonderful people. They had mud in their crawl space, totally, you know, muddy. And, and, and then they were so wonderful. But, you know, the second place we went to, it was like the guy didn't even care. I wanted a picture. And uh, he swore at us taking the picture. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I don't want to be here. I don't really want to help this guy in the water I was walking into. But I felt like, man, if I can model servanthood and be any sort of a blessing, I'm going to do that. That's what relationships require to be successful. And it comes through the cross. The cross is sometimes what allows you to have power over discouragement. You ever been discouraged? Numbers 21 says Israel was walking in the wilderness and they were discouraged. They they were just kind of frustrated with what was happening in life. And in that time, the Lord actually had them put up a pole where they put a serpent on it. And it was a foreshadowing of Jesus taking the sin of the world upon him. And it said, whoever looked at that, that pole with the serpent would live. I found that when people get discouraged, it's because their eyes are often not on the cross. A lot of times their eyes are on their own problems. This is where people live with a whole lot of self-pity. They complain about situations they have in life, and they, because they're not looking at Jesus, they're not looking at the cross. It's like all they can see is themselves. This is where people get so self-absorbed. I mean, they get caught up with you know, all kinds of disillusionments and, and they get defensive about their situation and it's because their eyes are not fixed on the cross. When my eyes are fixed on the cross, I'm able to get them off of myself and see what the Lord has done for me. One of the great things about the cross and its power is that it's deliverance from temptations. You know, Here he said, I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. I like what John said. He said, all that's in the world is passing away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the same thing that Adam in the garden tripped over is the same thing that Jesus overcame. And so when you struggle with thoughts of uh, arrogance and pride, or or when there's a, a lust for something, or an appetite, or a desire that's running wild, I have found that The cross is what allows me to take thoughts captive and cast them down. I don't have to entertain thoughts because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I have been crucified to carnal desires, to things that might get get in in my way of, uh, of walking with God. It's the power of the cross. So the first thing we could emphasize this morning, the first place where you could have freedom, the first thing I want to highlight about the fundamentals of walking with God is the power that exists in the cross. There's freedom in the cross. Man, he can set you free. He can deliver you. That is the power of the cross. And I'll tell you, not a lot of people want to talk about it sometimes, but there's great power in the cross. Let me highlight a second thing here. Flip over one page here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. So we're in Galatians. Now we're going to Ephesians. Ephesians is a loaded book. This book is what tells us, you know, blessed be, we're, we're blessed with every spiritual uh, 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It tells us that we're chosen in him, adopted, predestined. I love what it says in verse 7, Ephesians 1, 7. That in him, when, you, when you're born again, when you put your faith in Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood. Somebody say his blood. Yes, his blood, it says. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Freedom number two, fundamental, is freedom in the blood of Jesus. There's freedom in his blood. You know, the, the blood is the building block of life. And that's what the Bible says. That's Leviticus chapter 17. It tells us that uh, life is in the blood. So whenever you've got blood pumping in your body, you're going to be alive. That, that, that's just what, what constitutes for life. And that's true in the natural. I mean, you've got blood, you've got oxygen, you're going to be alive. When blood is poured out, that's when death takes place. And the Bible says it's similar like this in spiritual things. That through the blood of Jesus, you and I might have a source of life. We, we might have redemption. Uh, I'm telling you something, the blood is so powerful. It is so, so powerful. And a lot of people really aren't established in how effective and how powerful and just how real the blood of Jesus is. The Bible says that it speaks a better word. It, it speaks better things than the blood of Abel. You know why it speaks better things is because it speaks of God's mercy. And mercy, Scripture says, triumphs over judgment. It, it, it speaks to God and reminds him about his covenant that he has with us. Think about the covenant God set up with his people. When he sees the blood, he's reminded of how much he loves us in his covenant and what he cares for people. His blood is a tremendous thing. It's, it's valuable. You know, it calls it redemptive here. Uh, we have the forgiveness of sins and, and redemption through his blood. Blood is valuable. You know, I was just seeing in the paper that they had uh, a blood drive. They wanted to get people donating blood, and, and it was like they're out of blood. I, I've often thought, man, i got to get down to the blood drive place, help out. Because it's a valuable thing. And you've got to understand the price of, of, that was paid for you with Jesus' blood is incredible. I mean, he went to the greatest lengths. He, he literally poured out his own son's blood so that you and I could be accepted, redeemed. And that makes you of great value, infinite worth in the sight of God. And I think one of the reasons why people struggle so much is because they don't fully understand, comprehend just how loved they are in the eyes of God. And I watch this with believers all the time. And you may not feel loved, you may not think well of yourself, you, but the Bible says that God loves you. And if he loves you, he means it. And that means you are loved. And this is the place, the fundamental place where a lot of times people miss it is they don't understand just how loved they are by God. The price that was paid is an incredible price. Yeah. So the blood is valuable. And the thing about this blood is it's also rich. It, 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 it's thick. Here he said uh, it had to do with the riches of his grace. The reason why it's so thick, Jesus shed so much blood because he's so generous. You understand that when God looks at you, when he sees you, he doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see the fact that you got in a fight with your wife on the way to church. 
He doesn't see all the stupid decisions you've made. What he sees is his blood. He looks at you through a lens and a veil of his blood, and it's so thick that that's what he sees. When it, when it washes over you, Scripture says that you'll be white as snow. There's something incredible and supernatural when your conscience gets cleansed by his blood. And I'm telling you, it's like taking a shower after you've been out camping for three days. You know what I'm talking about? I like to go camping for two days because on the third day, you need a shower. Uh, and that's what the blood of Jesus will do in your life, a spiritual shower, a cleansing of your conscience with the thickness and the richness of his blood. I like what the scripture says here in verse 8. It tells us that he made this grace through, through the shedding of his blood abound towards us, which tells me that there's a tremendous amount of wisdom that is in the, through the blood of Jesus. See, it's because of blood, because of the blood that was shed, the Bible says, that I can have access into his presence. I can go before him. I can get into his presence. And I'll tell you where that's real helpful is when you have a problem and you don't know what to do. When, when you're frustrated, struggling, you need an answer because of the blood that was shed, you can get into the presence of God. Now, this happened to me this week. I was kind of down a little bit. I was kind of tired. I was trying to figure out why am I feeling this emotional baggage, turmoil. And so I just came in here. I spent a lot of time just praying before the Lord. I was seeking Him. I was asking and, and praying and processing. What is going through? And you know what I just came to the conclusion of? Was that I need a vacation. Praise God. <laughs> I got in the presence of God. I was reminded of, hey, sometimes you go so hard so fast, and sometimes you got to learn how to just pace yourself. That answer came to me just by being in His presence. Man, you get in the presence of God, and you'll get some answers. Answers exist in God's presence. Answers for things that you need, like how to raise your children. How are you going to handle a financial crisis? How are you going to treat other people? How are you going to you know, deal with bosses at work that you don't like? How are you going to learn how to get through difficult challenges in life. And the answers can always be found in his presence, and it's because of the blood of Jesus you and I can get those answers. I'm just walking through some fundamental basic things. The cross of Jesus helps you deny yourself and walk with God. The blood of Jesus is what gives you access into his presence when you don't know what to do. And let me give you a third thing here, and that's over in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, so just go over the next book. We, we were in Galatians and Ephesians, and now we're coming to the book of Philippians. And I like this portion of Scripture. It's probably one you know. It tells us that God has given Jesus a name above every name. In verse 10 it says that at the name of Jesus. Somebody say the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. It says of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me give you freedom number three. Here's the third fundamental thing. It's the name of Jesus. The cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and now we have the name of Jesus. When you have been given a name, it specifies certain things about you. It actually sets you apart, distinguishes you, so we know who you are. We know that that person, who specifically you are. I'm Jordan James Work. That sets me apart. I don't know that there's another Jordan James Work out there. That's my name. That's the one that was given me. And the Bible says there's one name, which is, here it says, above every name, the name of Jesus. Now, the reason why his name is above every name, the reason why it carries a higher authority, 
is because it carry it's it's been he said he's been given that authority. Uh, Jesus said it Matthew twenty eight. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so he said, go therefore, make disciples of the nations. He said he's got authority, and then he implies that we have that authority when he tells us to go in his name. That He's inferred the right to use his authority. Now, my father was an attorney, and one thing that he taught me about as a lawyer, he explained to me a little legal clause called the power of attorney. And what that means is it's a legal document that says, you know, if you're representing someone with the power of attorney, you have rights to access their accounts on a personal level, their legal matters, their business dealings. It means that you can represent the person in a court of law and your decisions are backed up. And that's really what we get in the name of Jesus. We, we get the legal authority to use his name for his benefit, to go into the nations. And there's something tremendous about the authority that exists in the name of Jesus. That's how you can cash checks in his name. It's authorities that are backed up by heaven. And this is one of those things I feel like not a lot of people are really very established in. Sometimes it's like the name of Jesus is a little bit, you know, cliche, or people kind of use it in a religious sense. And really what it requires is a full-blown revelation of the power that exists in the name of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, in that name, there's authority to pray for people. I love praying for the sick. Every chance I get, I, I was praying for a woman this morning, tripped over a forklift, her leg was hurt, she was hobbling around. I prayed for her in Jesus' name. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 3, it says that there was a man at the gate beautiful, and Peter and John came upon him, and they prayed in the name of Jesus, and the Bible says that that man stood up leaping and walking and praising God. It says it was through faith in his name this man is made well. And I love to pray for people in Jesus' name. When we went to India, we were in a uh, holy city for the Hindu religion. And they're very open to all kinds of gods and religions, but we came there in the name of Jesus. And I'll never forget on the second night, I came across a man who had a rod in his shoulder, and he couldn't move his arm. He'd been hurt in a farming accident, and this is all he could do. And I got him on video, man. He was smiling, jumping up and down. He was moving his arm, and he was saying the name of Jesus. Because for the first time in like 15 years, he could put his hand above his head. And that was through the name of Jesus that that man got healed. I mean, it was just incredible to see him crying, jumping around. It's the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. You know, they did a study in hospitals, and they said that when people pray for other people in hospitals, they recover at a rate of three times faster. 75% of people saw accelerated growth, accelerated healing when they were prayed for. I love to pray for people in Jesus' name. There's power in that name. You know, the, the name of Jesus is powerful when it comes to casting out devils. Uh, you know, in America, we kind of think it's some kind of some strange thing. When, when you hear about demons, and, and you, know, you don't see it much. But when I was in India, I do remember the woman slithering on the third row through the crowd. And it's not something you see every day, is people slithering around. And it reminded me of the night that we, we had a foster kid in my mom's home, and he actually began to manifest devils that way. He was, he was slithering like a snake through the house in my mom's room. And uh, we were watching him, we, we were questioning the behavior, and he started saying all kinds of strange things, and we realized, man, 
we're dealing with somebody who, who has got a demonic spirit pressuring him. And so, you know, we stood him up. We were trying to help him. And sometimes when you're in that moment, it's kind of shocking because of the behavior that's there. And, and the instinct was to pray in tongues, to pray in the Holy Spirit, like you're praying and you're trying to figure out. But you know what I found out? Praying in tongues is not going to help you at all when it comes to casting out devils. What you got to use is the name of Jesus. And so we began to cast that spirit out of him in Jesus' name and as God as my witness. What he told us was that it was too hot for him to stay in that room. He was not going to go back to where he came from. And he jumped out the window of the second story of our house. Yeah. He didn't make it out the window. He fell on a piece of glass. We had to take him to the ER. He had 43 stitches, almost punctured his lung. But I'm telling you, that thing came to an end when we used the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful and effective. Now, I see a lot of times where people will talk to me about, like, you know, experiences they might have, particularly in dreamed. And what people tell me is a lot of times what it takes for them is to actively start saying the name of Jesus, even in a dream, before they might wake up. I've had anyone else had that experience? I mean, I, I see a lot of hands, people who experience things like that. That's a, the reason why the devil might attack you at night is because he's a coward. But what he's afraid of is the name of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, it puts things into perspective. Scripture says that demons shake at the name of Jesus. And you've got to know how to use that name. You've been given authority to cast out devils, to pray for the sick. You have been given authority to pray in Jesus' name. John 14 and verse 14. He said, whatever I ask the Father, in, in, whatever you ask the Father in my name, in Jesus' name, that he will do. And when you are in the will of God, when you're walking close to God and you know how to use the name of Jesus, he will answer things in prayer. I have seen so many answers take place in prayer. And when I pray in Jesus' name, it's not repetitive. It's not a cliche. It's a revelation that I have. I have seen the Lord answer things. And a lot of times what he do is prompt me to pray for something. Well, I know I'm going to get an answer when he prompts me to pray. And I pray in Jesus' name. I needed a bigger car one time. I prayed for a Ford Flex, and the Lord had it to me within a few months, had the whole thing paid off, exceeded my expectations, because I prayed in Jesus' name. I was praying for a wife. A man needs a wife, you know what I'm saying? I prayed in Jesus' name, and the Lord brought me a Canadian, praise God. <laughs> I've prayed, you know, for, I remember my mom was sick, man. She had that aneurysm, we prayed in Jesus' name. I expect answers when I pray in the name of Jesus. Listen, man, that's how I pray. I just believe that God will do it, and he backs it up. You know how uh, powerful the name of Jesus is? It's so powerful that that is how salvation itself takes place. Like, that's how you get saved. It is through the name of Jesus. And this is what Peter said, Acts chapter 4. It said, there's no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved. The name of Jesus I like what Romans 10 says, Romans 10, verse 13. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Calling upon his name and salvation will come. That, that's an incredible thing. In fact, church ordinances take place through that. We baptize people in the name of Jesus. You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the book of Acts, they were baptized. We, people get filled with the Holy Spirit when they have hands laid on them in Jesus' name. It's a fundamental thing. And there's just something about calling upon his name that will bring deliverance, it will bring healing, it will bring the, the, the intervention of God and, and project his authority in situations. I'm grateful for that name. Uh, my grandfather 
was uh, a pilot. Uh, he was, excuse me, he was a nose gunner on a B-24 during World War II. And he flew 16 missions. They reduced the rate from 24 missions to 16 missions because they had so many people shot down. And on one occasion, my grandfather actually was shot down, but he, by the grace of God, made it back. He's missing in action for a week, and my grandma said she was really praying. You know, Grandpa said that they had a pilot who had flunked out of, or he didn't make the, he didn't flunk out, but he didn't quite make the standards for fighter pilots. And so what they had him doing is flying B-24s. And he was a better pilot than many of the other, you know, fighter pilots or, or bomber pilots. And what he would do was he would stay in tight formation. When you're flying on a bombing raid, you got to stay in tight formation because it makes you a harder target. If a plane is over off to the side, that's where the enemy can kind of shoot at him. But when you're in tight formation, which is a foundational thing, a fundamental thing, when you stay in formation, it makes you hard to shoot at. Now, Grandpa's told me, he said one time, as, as they were going in, everyone's on the radio talking and swearing and having a good old time. And, but when the bombing raids would begin, everybody got quiet. He, he said that no one would talk. And when they'd have harrowing experiences like that, no one would talk. One time the plane was kind of going down and down and down, and just before it pulled up, everyone thought that was going to be it. It pulled up. And my grandpa had to laugh because he told him, he said, man, you guys are all back there swearing and talking dirty and having all these jokes. And, and when we get in serious stuff, none of you say a word. He said, why don't you all start praying? I know you're praying back there. Why don't you start praying before we go up? Yeah, because he was saying, if you call on the name of the Lord. I said, are you afraid? Of, were you afraid to get shot down? He said, no, I, I called on the name of the Lord. And I knew if we went down, I would be all right. Man, think about that. There's something powerful about just calling upon his name. Sitting where you're at right now this morning, you might need to just call on his name. If you're not right with him, if you don't know him, just call upon his name. I mean, it's a very simple thing, calling on the name of the Lord for whatever situation you're in. In fact, why don't you just do that with me? I said, Jesus, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart. Whatever situation you're faced with, just say, Jesus, I need your help. Call upon his name. Get familiar with that. Get acquainted in that name. There's something significant and powerful in that name. And scripture says if you call on his name, you can be saved. You realize God is not trying to get people out of heaven. He's trying to get people into heaven. So he made it very simple. You call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Whether you're in a foxhole, whether you're in a B-24 or a car wreck. Or like me yesterday, I got stung by a uh, rototiller that my father-in-law had given me. Zap my finger and I just said, oh Lord. And I thought that was a great way to react. I prayed right there in that moment. And that's what you need, is just to call upon his name. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Now, maybe, maybe you need to work on the fundamentals. Maybe there's some things in your life that uh, are kind of drifting. And it could have to do with some of these basic things. I mean, think about the power that's in the cross. Maybe deliverance that you're working in your life. Maybe there's some bondages. Maybe there's some temptations. Maybe there's an area of deliverance that you need. And what it takes is the power of the cross to deny yourself and walk after him. There's power in that cross. I feel like a lot of times people struggle and don't know why they're struggling and can't seem to move forward. And it's because they don't understand the power that exists in the cross. And maybe for you this morning, you've got to look at that cross in the situation you're faced with and understand that Jesus made a sacrifice so that you and I can experience the power that exists in that cross. Maybe it has to do with uh, 
his blood, knowing how to plead his blood in your situation. It could be that's the, that's the problem you're facing on a spiritual level, is not knowing how to appropriate and apply Jesus' blood. Maybe that's why you feel such guilt and condemnation. It's because you don't understand what the blood has done for you and I. The blood is what allows us to be here in church and have fellowship together without condemnation or guilt. And through the blood of Jesus, you and I are all together, brothers and sisters, and one in the eyes of God. That's how powerful it is. Or maybe it has to do with your authority, not using it, not knowing how to use it. The, the, the name of Jesus is powerful. And in that name, demons tremble. In that name, answers exist in prayer. And by calling upon that name, you can be saved. Amen? People don't know how to use his name. He gave it to you. You ought to use it. You might have a situation right you're thinking about, I don't know how to do that. It's the name of Jesus that will bring breakthroughs and answers. And I love to pray in Jesus' name. Will you stand up with me this morning? I want to just pray over you. Lord, I just thank you for this people. I thank you today that you're establishing us and equipping us. And I just thank you for the work of the cross. I pray, Lord, that that cross becomes powerful, effective, real in someone's life. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us head to toe. And God, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us spiritual eyes to understand these things and comprehend these things. And we thank you for the name of Jesus that's powerful. In that name, there's salvation. In that name, there's life. In Jesus' name. It's very simple. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Ask Jesus to step in your situation. And the Bible says he will be right there for you. And I'm grateful for his name. Amen. Amen. All right. We got us a little barbecue and a little water slide action taking place today. So I'm glad you came out to church. I'm glad you bought someone. If you want prayer, and we'd love to pray for you. We would love to spend time praying and see the Lord bring answers into your life. Uh, So I'll have the altars open if you want prayer. But if you're out there sitting there, I could use your help because we've got to stack up the first four rows of chairs this week and next week. We've had a tremendous time at VBS. How many people enjoyed VBS? Man, we had 40 kids pack this place out. It's just been an incredible time. People are enjoying it. So we want to make the sanctuary open and accessible. So if you could stack up the chairs, that'd be great. And if you need prayer, we're here for this morning. Uh, We prayed all week, so the food is covered. We did pray for it already. (laughs) Please stick around. We'll have a great time back there. Amen.